Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. While the march from Selma to Montgomery lives in the collective memory as the high point of the civil rights movement, there was something else blooming in Alabama beyond the Edmund Pettus Bridge, just beyond the camera's eye. Stokely Carmichael, a dynamic young organizer, also from SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, used this moment to make the connection in the crowd, gathering names and information. For Carmichael and the community whose stories he absorbed, this pivotal moment wasn't a culmination, but a beginning. The film is called Lowndes County and the Road to Black Power. We're joined today by the co-directors of the film, Gita Gambier, as well as Sam Pollard. To both of you, welcome back to Film School Radio. Thank Thank you very much, Mark. Here's once again, in terms of an education for me, and I hope for others, about another chapter of the civil rights movement that I was not aware of. I was in the broad, broad strokes, I'm certainly aware of the situation in Alabama as it was taking place, but this is a, more of a focused look at that and just how horrifying all of those events were during that period of time. Tell um, which one, Sam or or Gita, how did this project come about? How Who was the sort of initiated this into existence? So Demma Paxton Fofang, who's one of the producers on the project, actually brought this to me through um, Fred Grinstein, who's another producer that I was working with at the time. It was inspired by Van Newkirk, who, you know, is a journalist at The Atlantic. It, um, by his work, he'd been working extensively on stories of Black farmers in the South, the sort of history of essentially what is like a giant land grab um, that's been going on for quite some time. And this story is, again, part of the sort of history of essentially what he was looking at. And Van is also attached to this project. Uh, Demma came to me and after reading it, I was like, this is an incredible story and I would really love to work on it. But I felt like I'm not of South Asian descent. I don't have the lived experience of one like someone from the Black community and also particularly somebody from the from the community you might have lived through that time period and has deep ties to the South. So the first person I thought about was Sam, who I think about for everything, pestering him for so many different things. And so he, you know, I brought the project to him and Sam can take it from there. Sam, go ahead. So when Gita reached out to me, Mike, I was initially reluctant. I was feeling like I had sort of done a lot of civil rights films from Eyes on the Prize to the Rise of Fall, Jim Crow, the slavery by another name. And I wasn't sure I wanted to do another at this particular moment in my career civil rights film. But when I had an opportunity to read the deck and talk to Demma and to Van and really spend more time thinking about what was happening, because a lot of people think of the high point of the civil rights movement being the march from some of the government, Dr. King, the SCLC. And we forget that SNCC was very active in the communities around the South, in Mississippi and Alabama and that they went into Lyons County to support the people, the Black people in that community who were trying to get the right to vote. And so, so the more I talked about it and dug into the research, I started thinking this is probably a pretty good fit. And I'm, and I'm glad I did, because I was just saying to someone earlier, going down to Alabama, spending time with a lot of these folks who were interviewed in the film from Lyons County, wonderful people, like Gary and Miguel, excuse me, there's some noise in the background, 
Lillian McGill and and uh, Arthur Arthur Nelson and John Jackson. You know, my my family's history is Southern. My family is from Georgia, Mississippi. So when I'm down there, I really feel the connection to the soil and to the people. So it really it really turned out to be, I think, one of my most important and wonderful experiences working on this film and working with Gita, who I treasure. Well, for me, watching it, it's a deeper dive into a little-known chapter in the civil rights movement. And to see the threads that became much, much more important as history moves forward, it helps. It sort of sends the synapses back into, oh, yeah, I heard about that. And I knew about that, but I didn't know the connection. And even visually in the film, there, I believe I've got this right. There's a road sign that's got Montgomery this way, Selma this way, right? And sort of from a, for a visual um, metaphor for the importance of Lowndes County in, in the civil rights movement. I thought that was uh, just the importance of it. When you're beginning to go down this road to explore this, who were the first people that you reached out to in terms of people or some who are still in Lowndes County or or not? Who? How does that journey it, begin? It, it was a combination of going back to find former stick members. And we happened to really know one of the former stick members, Judy Richardson, who I worked with at Eyes on, on Eyes on the Prize too. And she was the one who enabled us to connect with Cortland Cox and Jennifer, you know. And then there was this book that was written by historian Hassan Jeffries called titled Bloody Lounge. And he became an invaluable source, you know, in terms of us understanding the history and who we should talk to. And then the biggest challenge, and Gita talked about this last night on our screen, the biggest challenge was to find some white people from that community who would want to talk about it. And we have to really tip our hats to Anya Roos, one of the producers of the film, who really very dedicated in, in searching these, finding these two sisters that Gita interviewed. I'll let Gita talk about them. But yeah. I thought they were wonderful and they were open. And you know, you got to think about it. Even today, for white people from these communities to talk about things that they saw as offensive and, you know, and harsh and criminal, they still have to deal with pushback from their communities, you know, where they grew up. Because there's people, there's survivors there, white survivors who will probably say, how dare you, you know, go before a camera and talk about these things that we don't want to talk about. I'll let Gita speak up from there. Yeah. So I think the, the Coleman Flowers sisters are those, the sisters who are in the, the piece. So they really have done a tremendous amount of anti-racist work in, in their lifetimes. And I think um, particularly there's some sense of penance or, you know, it, for what they witnessed and also too for some of the things that they feel like they were responsible for in Lowndes County. Um, their neighbor was the sheriff, Tom Coleman. Also, there's some family relation there. And the sheriff was notoriously brutal and was responsible for the murder, you know, the murder that is spoken about in the film of a young white activist who, you know, had come down to Lowndes County to work with SNCC and uh, Ruby Sales details his murder. And I think that story, again, is very close to them. And it was a very dangerous time. And I think that to find folks who would speak openly about that when really the town was quite complicit 
in, you know, this behavior ultimately, like, for example, the activist who was murdered, his, you know, his case, of course, like the town rallied around uh, Tom Coleman, who was the sheriff, who, again, was never convicted, but allegedly committed the murder, and there were no repercussions for what he had done. And I think that is, that's a heavy weight to carry for anyone, and particularly anyone with a with a conscience. So I think there's a lot of dark secrets uh, that the the white community in particular has been has been keeping and for for these women to be brave enough to speak about it you know again on camera they that they'd be viewed as traitors by their community that that it would cause that relationships would be possibly irreparably damaged but they they chose to do it there were some names that were new to me uh, John Hewlett who I didn't know about anything about him He's, he seemed to be, in some ways, one of the very first to step forward in terms of activism in Lowndes County and put it put himself at tremendous risk. Let's talk a little bit about John. you got to really applaud the fact that he really wants to stand up for the community and make sure that African-Americans got the right to vote and being very proactive in that community. And going on to become the sheriff, and he was sheriff for quite a while, I think he became a county judge. We should go fact check that, too. But uh, a major presence. And the thing to remember here, and this is this is an important element of this film, that the SNCC members knew that they didn't want to go in there and lead these people to learn becoming voters. They wanted to help shape and be a part of the community. It was like, you know, understanding that you don't always need to be, have a, a someone at the head of the table to say, this is what we should do and we should follow you. It was a group challenge and a group dynamic that led to what happened in Lyons County, you know, and ended up with John Shuler becoming sheriff and other people like John Jackson became the mayor of his little community later on. So that was, that's the important thing to remember that SNCC had a different sort of mindset than SCLC, which basically, you know, revolved around, you know, orbited around Dr. Martin Luther King. And SNCC didn't do that. And that's what made them really special and made them really, you know, connect with many communities, not only in Birmingham, but also in Mississippi. So I think that's an important thing to take away from this film, you know, that movements, and I think, what's her name says at the very beginning of the film, right, Kita? Ella Baker. Ella Baker said. Strong people don't need strong leaders, really. And what's so powerful about County, Lowndes County, is it was a leaderless movement, right? This was a truly uh, a community-based movement, like from, from the ground up. And I think that, and that's ideally, you know, the this, this SNCC, as the SNCC veterans say, their belief was they had to work themselves out of a job. They wanted movements that could, you know, withstand the loss of their lives, right? That would continue beyond them. And, uh, and, and that was the idea. When you talk about the freedom struggle, there, there were conflicts within, you know, about how to manage things. So, so folks were trying to figure that out. And I think we see that between the SCLC and SNCC and if they were generational, they were also methodological, you know, it's, it's, but that was a, that's a very rich part of the, the story. Like no community, right? No, no movement and no community is a monolith. Like everyone, there were different ways of approaching the struggle. And we were excited to, to also explore that in this film. Well, and as we see in the film, Martin Luther King, ever the diplomat, ever the bridge builder, and then others who were, as you said, living in Lowndes County, a uh, very different approach and very different experience in, some, in many ways. just want to remind our listeners that we're speaking to the co-directors of this wonderful new film called Lowndes County, The Road to Black Power. 
and that would be Gita Ganbir, as well as Sam Pollard. And one of the wonderful things for me personally to wa- in watching this film is to have a greater understanding of the power and the place in history that Stokely Carmichael has in this film. But I'm not sure it's completely reciprocated in terms of our perception of the civil rights movement and his place in it, especially during that period of time. Before we explore that question or that that point, I just want to remind listeners, this is, takes place in 1960, 61, 62, 63, 64, up until about 66, 67, I think is about right. Uh, so this is a period of time when as, uh, attempted assassinations, murders, all kinds of all kinds of violence is being visited upon the African-American community during this period of time and organizing in the face of overwhelming police um, violence against them. And to see Stokely Carmichael in the midst of all of this, as fearless as he, he was, helping shape the perception of what Black power could look like and what it should look like. I just I found it to be illuminating and just such an important part of the story. Um, Sam, do you want to? Well, I would say just very simply, I think that this film is going to raise the level of exposure for one of the most, another one important civil rights activists is Stokely Carmichael, who went on to go to West Africa and become Kwame Ture and understood that the struggle for freedom was not just one that took, should take place in the United States, but it was a global struggle, a global struggle. And, uh, you know, we were so excited about how we dealt with Stokely that Gita and I are now in the process of trying to develop another film that will focus on Kwame Ture. To build on what Sam is saying, Stokely Carmichael, you know, later known as Kwame Ture, he, and just the entire history of of SNCC the, and the SNCC activists, I feel like have never gotten their proper due, you know, in particular Stokely became the, I think, the, the, the head of SNCC for a while and then, you know, moved on to other things. I think because the narrative was was not popular with the powers that be, right? Like the narrative of, um, and that's the same reason that we don't hear about Lowndes County in the history books, the way that we do, you know, the SCLC. It was uh, a struggle. And this is something very interesting that all of the SNCC veterans and Lowndes County folks talked about, that there was no white folks involved in the struggle in the way that there were in the, in the other movements. They weren't necessarily, they weren't necessary. I mean, Jonathan Daniels, who came down and worked with SNCC, was absolutely wonderful. You know, um, he was he was murdered. It was really a movement fully led by Black folks and the Black community on the ground. And I think that, you know, I think Ruby Sales said there was a redemptive moment for white folks in the larger struggle as framed by the SCLC, but that this was not the case in Lowndes County. It, and that made it dangerous and dangerous for uh, for for white supremacy because these were folks local folks who organized first and then always knew what they needed and then brought in community you know organizers just to support them again that organizing from the ground up is in some ways you know I think is, is sort of counter to the happy narrative that we often hear about the civil rights movement you know it's just the, the dominant one is safer and I think. Um, the SNCC activists were more radical in some ways, and that that is not appealing to again to the powers that be. I would say they were more practically radical. I mean, they were in in practicality what they talked about, what they were pushing for. And I I shared with Sam before we started that 
I remember, I'm old enough to remember when the first time I saw Stokely Carmichael and a national forum, sort of in a platform, was on Meet the Press. And it's in the film. It's so weird that I saw this. I think it's the same. I'm sure it's the same one I saw when there was, a, a um, I think, six civil rights leaders and Stokely's in the middle of the top row wearing something very different than everyone else was, very much stood out. He stood out not only for that reason, but for his approach to the movement. And he was immediately identified kind of in the press as that guy. Well, I think dangerous guy. No, absolutely. But to your point, black power, black power is still threatening. Black lives matter, right? The Black Panther symbol. Yeah, the Black Panther symbol. But even today, when you talk about the simple statement, black lives matter, how much of a threat has that been, you know, has that appeared to be to white society at large? What is the response? All lives matter. And we are witnessing a white supremacist backlash in this country right now in a way, an anti-Semitic. We have Republicans, <laughs> the Republicans meeting openly with white supremacists or like in recent weeks. Like this is, again, and the the pushback to that simple phrase. So Matt, right, so I know that you two, you witnessed this, the pushback to black power. It's that statement, black power. Like, again, how dangerous and radical does that seem to be? Seem to be, even though we all know that. It's, it's like, so again, similar to Black Lives Matter, just literally had nothing to do with anything other than re- just reclaiming, reclaiming power. It's the dynamic as well. It's, it's, it, the pushback isn't just political it's it's violence. The default isn't we'll fight this in in the legislature. It was we'll fight it in the streets with with police, essentially police um, violence against people. Correct. So and it's still you're right to your point. Um, that is seems to be the one constant in American society. It seems to be the one the one thing that uh, continues to um, be a part of our political landscape. Well, you know, Mike is is, is part of our political cultural and racial landscape, you know? That's why when Gita says what she says, do you say black power, you say black lives matter. People lose their mind. White people lose their mind. I mean, we could point to a number of different examples. Florida, the idea we can't even teach real history anymore. We are going backwards in a very frightening way. And I think, you know, which makes this story, we feel, I think Sam and I, even more relevant, right? And what's heartbreaking is so Arthur Nelson was at one of our screenings last night and he said as somebody who you know was raised in Lowndes County and was a child when he was young when the movement was happening there but he remembers it well you know and he was saying that he he feels like what's happening today is synonymous with what he witnessed in Lowndes County like just the the same sorts of obviously but that those same sorts of dangers are becoming present again and that was that's heartbreaking I hate to say this because it's just, it's a terrible thing. That we're still fighting the Civil War. The difference between the 1860s and now is it's not the Confederate States of America. It's just a political power structure that is still determined to hold on to white power, right? Well, that's it's, exactly right, Mike. That's right. This is this is still a fight of the Civil War. That's right. Because until, until these, you know, white people start to understand that, you know, they can't be in charge we're going to still have these issues that we're going to constantly have to challenge and face and challenge and and ruby daniel says it in the film she said what did she say say, sam black power and and white supremacy cannot exist right right and particularly when it's a white supremacist economic yeah she says that exactly black power is specifically a threat 
to to white economic power yes. as well. Yeah. And that is the biggest, you know, that is really the biggest issue at hand. That yeah. you know, it's again, yeah. it's like you can have all the civil rights you want, but if you threaten our economic structure, you know, our economic power, then it's, you know, that's the biggest. Look at, Tul look at Tulsa, you know, right. In, in the 1921, 22, whatever, 21. 1921, 1921. I remember here in California when the Black Panthers started bringing out rifles and then monitoring police, pulling over people armed while watching the police do their, do their job, which was completely legal. The only time that I know of, and maybe the only time in the history of the National Rifle Association, that they ever supported uh, legislation to uh, essentially gun control legislation was when they did here in California, because Black Panthers were showing up with rifles. It's the only time that I know of, right? And Ronald you're probably, you're probably it, right, right. And Ronald Reagan signed it into law. So, I mean, yeah. it's the only time that I've ever heard of them supporting any kind of limitations on guns was then. Well, this is a, a such a powerful film. I want to let people know that it's coming out here in Los Angeles on uh, December 2nd. It's going to be playing at the, uh, among other theaters, but the Santa Monica Lemley Film Center. It's also available on video on demand through Apple and other platforms. So be looking for this terrific documentary film, Lowndes County and the Road to Black Power. And to both of you, first of all, Sam Pollard and Gita uh, Genbeer, this is part of what I consider to be this grand painting that you both as filmmakers are doing. And this is another brushstroke on that painting and uh, continue your great work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Mike. It's very, yeah. very lovely what you just yeah. said. Yeah, thank, thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 